And so this is one of those that is pretty, pretty special in the dual meaning. Um, but here's what it comes down to. The Christ follower's heart, our heart of worship, always returns to the God who created us to worship him. Whether we get separated from God at some time in our lives, there is a draw back to the one who created over and over and over again. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. Maybe you haven't yet. You will. If you will experience this, you're being drawn back. Maybe it's a time where you're, you've separated and there's distance between you and God, but over and over again, the one who created you reaches out, draws you back to worship. Psalm 145, verses one through three, it calls the worshiper to celebrate God's presence and power. And so here's the, here's the psalmist. He writes, Psalm 145, beginning in verse one. I will extol, that's a fancy word for praise you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day, I will bless you. That's an interesting phrase that we get to bless God. And we're very proficient in God blessing us, God blessing people. But this is, we get to bless God by praising God. I will bless you, God, and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Now, here's what the, the psalmist is getting at. The psalmist is getting at God's name is very important when it comes to worship. God's name is critical to our worship so that we are ensuring that our heart's desire is set to worship the one true God, the Yahweh, the tetragrammaton, the love, passion, desire, this one. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. That's why we don't, it's not a name it, claim it kind of thing where we say, you know, as long as I say in Jesus' name, I get my prayer. No, no, no. We're making sure we're declaring that I'm not just praying just to be praying. I'm declaring I'm making sure that my heart is right. It is in line with the one, the name of Jesus. It is the one who is God, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, the only one that is worthy of praise. Tremper Longman, he wrote this. He said, the psalmist opens 145 by stating his determination to praise God daily and enthusiastically forever. God's his king and thus deserves his worship. The focus is on God's name, which refers to his nature as well as the reputation that is garnered by his works. See, names are important. They're very important. And we, we see this in Psalm 145 where the psalmist is making sure we understand who it is that we're worshiping. And that name of God, it refers to much more than just God. It's about God's nature. It's about the love of God, the desire of God, the passion of God for his creation. Now, authentic worship, uh, this is what we're all shooting for, right? It's, it's the worship that Jesus models for us. And the whole point of the four spiritual disciplines is these are four disciplines that Jesus set forth for all of us. And the worship that Jesus modeled, this authentic worship, it's rooted in what we sang in one of the songs earlier tonight, our ability to acknowledge the wonder of God. You see, the wonder of God is where the infinite and the finite come into contact. See, the finite can't fathom the infinite. It's so difficult for the finite to understand 
this infinite, can't comprehend. And so therefore the finite must admit limitations in the presence of the limitless. We are the finite, God is the infinite. And so we have to recognize that there's things we can't understand. There's things we can't see. We're trying, but there's so much more going on than we're able to see because it's infinite. And what we see is here in the finite. We see the, the, all the different things that are going on here on this earth, but there's so much more going on than our finite minds are able to see. And this should cause wonder. Yeah, it's I wonder what God is up to. Sure, it also should be wonderful as in awe, as in, oh my gosh, this looks so terribly horrible but there must be way more going on than I'm able to see. And then there comes a time, one, two, three, five, ten years later, that the Lord opens our eyes and we're able to see and go, oh, I knew it. How wonderful God is. The infinite and the finite, this wonder of God, Yahweh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the name of God. William A. Vandergerman says, no one can fully understand God's purposes and his ways. In the presence of the divine king, man must admit his limitations. This is acknowledging, understanding how much bigger God is than us, understanding our limitations here on this earth, acknowledging, or another way of saying this is deeply knowing. There's a deep knowledge in us of the awe and wonder of God. We deeply know how awesome God is. This is that understanding there that we shoot for. And that's why when we look at Jesus, Jesus gives us such an incredible example in this because Jesus set the love of his Father as his personal motivator for why he lived the way he did on this earth. See, his actions aren't an act of worship. In fact, our actions, we're not acting in worship. No, his actions were the overflow of who he is. He was able to respond to God's presence. And whether that responded in an action towards someone else or that that response was an internal response to the presence of God in a circumstance that Jesus found himself in, whether he was just being very like honest with the Lord, saying, Lord, please let this cup pass from me. I really don't want to have to go through what I'm about to have to go through, I think, is coming. He ended up having to go through it. He was able to respond to God's presence by saying phrases like, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's not something that a fully manned person on this earth does when somebody's crucifying them for something they didn't do, wrongly accused. But this is supernatural. This is response, and this is what we see. So God's name, understanding who God is, is the first and foremost thing that we've got to make sure we get right when it comes to worship. And so if you're worshiping, and, and, and in your mind, you're worshiping anything other than God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, if you're responding and you're worshiping to anything other than that, you're missing the mark. We gotta make sure, yes, the Trinity comes through a lot of different names. 
We understand that. Throughout Scripture, there's lots of different names to help us understand who God is. But at the end of the day, they all refer to one God. That's who we worship. Jesus is the way to relationship with that God. And if we've not prayed to receive Christ, given our lives to him, then we're missing when it comes to worship. And so it's really important that we get that right. God's name above all names is what we bow to. It's who we respond. And so we have God's name. You know, the second way of worship that we, we see in this psalm that we're reading tonight, Psalm 145, Jesus would have been taught this psalm growing up. And so what we see here is another way of worship is telling the story of God. Yeah, we understand who God is. We're worshiping God. We're responding to the presence of God. And consequently, we get to tell the stories of God. So Jesus grew up hearing the stories of Israel. He grew up hearing the stories of God's redemptive work. He grew up hearing the stories from his parents. He grew up hearing them from his extended family. He grew up hearing them as they would travel from place to place and they would see what was going on between festivals and all this kind of stuff where they would pass stones and they would tell the story of what happened at this place that these, these Ebenezer stones were, were uh, placed. And they would tell the stories over and over and over again as a form of worship that was intended to be passed down from generation to generation. And the cool thing is we are still telling these stories today. It stood the test of time. If these stories weren't powerful and truth, they would not have stood the test of time. But here we are. These stories are here. And we're able to tell them from generation to generation. And we continue to add to those stories of the way God has showed up in all of our lives. And we pass those on to our children, our children's children, and on and on and on. It's our legacy, right? Listen to the psalmist as he continues to sing this truth, beginning in verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another God and declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generation. We can't fathom it, but we can tell the stories. We can't understand fully the kingdom of God, but we can tell how God has shown up, how we read it in Scripture, how it continues to remain true today, and how we long for heaven together as we understand the future to hold for us. See, while it's beyond human ability to grasp God, we can grasp enough to pass along the stories. We can grasp God enough to respond to the presence of God, to see, and as there's this, we're not quite sure what's going to happen later on, this wonderful moment of clarity as God shows us, we then get the privilege of telling the story and not just keeping it to ourselves. Now, here's the thing. 
This psalm we're reading tonight has special meaning because this was not just taught to the people of God, the people of Israel. This was taught to Jesus, the Son of God, who Jesus, yeah, or excuse me, who Israel, it was going to be really important. This is an important psalm for them to sing, to remind them of who God is, how they praise God's name, how they respond to God's presence, and how they tell the stories. Yeah, it's important. It's extra special to Jesus because here's Jesus walking this earth fully human, and he's being taught how to worship God the Father, in which he is a part of the divinity of the Trinity. And so therefore, as the people are being taught to worship God, they're also being taught to worship Jesus, and they have no idea what Jesus is about to do for them. But Jesus is learning these words, how to honor the Lord in the same ways that people will one day honor him. What a spectacular reality Jesus was living in, fully human and fully divine. Huge meaning. And so we've got the awe and wonder of who God is, the name of God, the name above all names, where we make sure that we are worshiping the one true God. And then we get to tell the stories, the stories of how God has shown up. And then, of course, needless to say, when we talk about worship, one of the most common understood forms of worship is music. It's something that moves us in ways few things are able to move us. You know what I mean? There's there's a story about Bono. And uh, Bono, the, the lead singer for U2. And, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe you remember, we, we showed a video a little while back about the day that Bono, um, that he toured Golgotha. And it just, the Lord just opened his mind and it occurred to him in that moment, this is where death died. This was a life-changing moment for him where death is no longer something to fear because death is dead Eternal life is what it's all about, and that happens only through the person of Jesus. This was a life-changing moment for him because if you fast forward years earlier, he had another life-changing moment in which his mother died at the burial of her father, Bono's grandfather. She died of a stroke while they were burying Bono's grandfather. Hurt upon hurt. And music for Bono became the way that he was able to process or make sense of this broken world. And there he finds himself standing at the, at the place where death died. And there was awe. And there was wonder. And there was amazement. And there was tell the story of which Bono has done a great job of telling the story ever since, be it through music or be it through interviews or be it through really unconventional ways of telling the story of who Jesus is, he's told the story. This is what we're talking about, is what we bring to worship rather than solely consuming what worship has to offer. You know, the the songs of worship continue on, right? This song, How Great Thou Art. You guys remember How Great Thou Art? Oh, what a beautiful song. 
you know, the writer of this song, that song was, was birthed from an experience, of course. This guy's name was the Reverend Carl Boberg. It happened in 1886. And uh, he was on the southeast coast of Sweden, which I'm quite sure was pretty worshipful, just for the record. On the southeast coast of Sweden, and as he's there, this awful thunderstorm comes in. There's lightning, there's thunder, there's claps, there's rain, there's all this stuff. And then the next thing you know, there's the rain subsides, the sun comes out, and then the birds begin to sing. And it was in that moment that he was able to just be awestruck at the power, at the might, at the beauty, at the, at the restoration, and at the songs that were sung. All a result of our creator God. And he sings this and he pins the words to how great thou art in that moment. And that song made famous, of course, by the Billy Graham Crusades has come on and really continued to just change things in people's lives as they declare the greatness of God through a song like How Great Thou Art. Y'all see, worship, it's the wonder of God. It's when we come in on a Sunday or we're, we're in between the Sundays and we're caring for a neighbor or we're whatever, and we find ourselves just in awe that we, A, would have the opportunity to do what we're doing, or B, have the privilege of getting to serve somebody the way we're getting to serve somebody, and we just find ourselves in awe that God would choose us, of all people, to do what God's called and asked us to do. There's this wonder that we get from that. And then from there, we see that the worship of God is telling the story. Sometimes we miss the most worshipful thing that we get to do, and that is to simply give credit where credit is due. I know last week I was talking about our preschool folks. I mean, what a beautiful thing to get to tell the stories of what God has done to children who are the most impressionable age of our church. There's not a greater form of worship than sitting in there, changing a diaper, and praying over a child the wonder of what will happen in their life and asking God to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. There's not a greater form of worship than pouring into a teenager's life that you see in them what they don't see in themselves. And you then get to tell the story of somebody pouring into your life and the way it changed your life forever, and then you get to pass that on to the next generation, that generation then passes it on to the next generation, and this thing goes on for a thousand generations. That's worship. That's awesome. That's wonder. That's amazing. And we tell the stories of it. See, worship is far more than singing songs, but worship clearly is singing the songs of lament, and it's singing the songs of praise, throughout life because we're responding to God's presence and we know God's in the highs and God's in the lows. And we get to respond to his presence regardless of what is happening in our life. See, this is why tonight I say the phrase, worship is the catalyst for life change. Worship is the thing that opens our eyes to what's really going on. We find ourselves get lost in worship. We find ourselves just fascinated by who God is and what God can or may do. Understanding that if we can dream it, God's plan will be far greater than our dream.
It'll be different. It'll be greater. This is worship. It's the catalyst for life change. So here, I've got four questions for us tonight as we finish up. Number one, how are you acknowledging the wonder of God in your life? How do you find yourself acknowledging? How do you deeply know the magnitude of God? Think of your stories. Think of how God has shown up in your life. And you and your finite being, while you can't comprehend the infinite of God, what you can do is tell the story. And as you tell the story, you're acknowledging the wonder of God. You're showing it to all the world. That's my second question. How are you telling the stories of God to remind you and your family of God's goodness and steadfast love? What are your stories around the dinner table? What are your stories whenever you're around your property? What are your stories whenever you're driving down the road and you're talking about life and you're talking about extended family and you're talking about immediate family and you're, you're getting an opportunity to do the things you get to do as a family? How are you telling the stories of God to remind you? How are you telling the stories of God to remind your family of God's goodness? God's steadfast love, the way God showed up so many times in your life. Or maybe you have no idea if God showed up in your life and you're still trying to look and see. Tell the story. Tell the story. Help your family to be looking for God the way God longs for us to search and find God. Next to last question, when you come through the doors on a Sunday, what are you bringing what do you bring as your offering to the Lord? Time, talent, treasure, presence, serving, caring, coming alongside somebody. What do you bring? Yeah, we understand. There are seasons of need. There are seasons of plenty. We get that. One of the greatest things we can do throughout is to offer what God has trusted us with and care for people. When you come through the doors on a Sunday, what do you bring? What do you contribute to this congregation? When you see people and you get a chance to talk to people, what are you contributing to their lives? When you come in this room, I mean, are you here as soon as service starts? And I, I get it. I know the Cowboys are playing right now. And so as soon as the game, as soon as service is over, some of you guys are going to be like, like rooster tail out the back door because you're excited about a football game. I get that. I get it, okay? But, but here's, here's, here's the thing. On any given Sunday, do you come in after service has started and leave before it, 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 it gets over? It's important for us to come a little early, get to know people. Stick around afterwards. Get to know people. Offer something. Offer what God's given you to this family of families as a, a form of worship. Yeah, when we, we get a chance to sing songs and everything, yeah. We want to sing these songs, but the, the thing is, is that as we offer what we're bringing to the Lord, what we're producing in worship, yeah, how does that manifest in your songs of worship? When it's time for service to begin and the music comes up, 
How does that manifest in your worship? What happens internally? And what are we continuing to offer? Last question. Are you in need of coming back to the heart of worship? Are you in need of this? Where, you know, things have just gotten off. And maybe tonight throughout the course, there's been something that's been said. There's a scripture that's been read or a phrase that's been quoted. Are you in need of submitting to the assurance of God's presence in your life? Because that's what it comes down to. The assurance of God's presence in your life. And you understand that's truth. And you know God is present no matter what's happening. You may not like what's happening, and God is present. You may love what's happening, and God is present. We have to acknowledge the assurance of God's presence and come back to the heart of worship and understand worship is about what we are doing to bless God. What are we producing when it comes to the blessing of God. And so we're going to worship through the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. And then after that, we're going to sing about the goodness of God. And we're going to worship <laughs> in both of these remarkable ways of getting to worship. Just understand that this is a, this is a process of transformation that leads to salvation. It's, a, it's, it's what we're, we're hoping for, that God saves us over and over again from ourselves. And we're promised eternity as a result. That's worship. It's the catalyst for life change. It's the catalyst for life transformation. And so may we as a church come back to the heart of worship. May we acknowledge how great God is. May we tell his stories. And may we learn to submit and respond to the presence of God in our lives. Father, we love you and we praise your name today. We extol you, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jehovah, Shalom, Jehovah Jireh, Lord Emmanuel. Lord, thank you for loving us the way you love us and you sent Jesus to this earth. Father, may we in a sense of awe and wonder just be amazed at the fact that you sent your one and only son, something it would be very difficult for anyone in this room to do, to give for those who may or may not follow you. I pray, Lord, that you help us. Because, Lord, in our finite minds, it is difficult for us to understand the, gra the gravity and the, the, the magnitude of who you are. But, Lord, may we wonder about you. May we look for what's we can't see yet. And in the fullness of your perfect timing, may you open our eyes and may it, may it produce worship. May we offer that praise to you through serving you, through caring for your body, through telling your stories to people who don't know you, to people who do know you and need to be reminded of your goodness. And Father, may we simply respond to your presence regardless of circumstances. Lord, tonight, if we are in a need and it's in a space where we need, to, we need to circle the wagons and we need to come back to what this worship is all about, Lord, will you gently 
carry us where we need to go. And Father, as we partake of Holy Communion, of the Lord's Supper, Lord, may we be reminded of the awesome, amazing, wonderful gift that you gave to all of us through Jesus. And may we proclaim his death until he comes again and we all get eternity in paradise with you. Father, we love you and we praise your name and we pray this through the saving name of Jesus, amen.